Hello, my name is George Orfanides, and today I'm going to be talking with Christina Jenkins, and we're going to be talking about creativity in psychology and poetry. So, Christina, I'll start with a question for you. Do you think that there is some genetic um, linked to creativity? Um, yeah, so uh, during my research, I actually found um, quite a few studies that had looked into genetic factors relating to creativity. And um, in a test that had, uh, I believe, like 92 subjects, it was stated that a particular dopamine receptor called DRD2 could have some potential to manifest itself in creative uh, ways. Um, it's associated with like verbal creativity and like an overall creativity score. Um, and then there's a TPH allele that was significantly related to uh, figurative creativity, numerical creativity, and total creativity. So I definitely think that there can be some genetic factors behind it, although I don't think that's like the most inspiring part of creativity because like with all genes, it's because a person was like possesses it doesn't necessarily mean that it'll activate it because sometimes genes just don't activate. Um, it's all about the reaction range in which it decides to, if it, if it does decide to activate. So um, I think there can be like naturally occurring um, phenomenon that creates creativity, but I don't think it's all tied to genetics. Mm-hmm. And um, kind of going off of that, um, what do you think people, um, like parents, guardians, can do to foster creativity while their child is developing? Um, so I think that probably the best way to foster creativity is to make sure not to limit the child. Like, I know we've discussed in class before about, like, doodling and stuff, and that's a great way to kind of, like, get your creative flow out, just, like, to kind of, like, focus your mind on things sometimes. Uh, so things like that, I think, should be encouraged. Uh, it shouldn't It shouldn't be punished at all. Um, and I think in certain instances, like, imaginative play, like, when, when children come up with imaginary friends and, like, create these own little worlds in their heads, I think that's really beneficial to their creative process and that it'll have a major effect on how they develop their creativity later on in their life. So uh, the best advice that I could give would to be um, don't limit your child. Like people tend to think that being imaginative or being creative is like childish, but I, I disagree. I think it's, it's very limiting when you think in that way and it kind of diminishes the person and their creative ability. So just don't like, like limit anything from your children. Mm -hmm. I definitely agree with that. Um, and not limiting. And, uh, while you're talking about that, I was thinking about how, uh, the education system can be pretty limiting to creativity in children and in students of all ages, especially probably in high school, because, you know, you're following this certain curriculum that you really have to adhere to. Um, do you think that there's any way that the school system maybe could try to not limit creativity so much in children so that when grow up into adults, uh, they still feel like they have that creative um, 
that creative outlet that they can, you know, kind of tap into and not think that it's childish? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I know in Virginia school systems, uh, with the focus that they have on, like, sticking to the curriculum and standardized testing and everything, that can be, like, pretty suffocating in the classroom. And it doesn't leave a lot of room for creativity. So I, I appreciate the schools that can break away from that a little bit more and can incorporate like projects and activities that like allow students to express themselves and be creative. Um, I know for my governor school, we were, we did a lot of English projects and my, my teacher would be like, okay, I want this, but in any way that you can do it, as long as you enjoy doing it, that's all I care about. You need to learn and you need to have fun with it. So I think in situations like that, that really allows students to kind of like take creative hold of things and really get like their flow together and just prepare them, like, well not prepare, but like help them later on to still feel connected with their creative side. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and going off of that, um, in terms of attempting to like nurture creativity, is it better to do so early on um, or after a person has already developed into an adult? And do you think that trying to nurture creativity like in an adult is, um, is effective? Uh, so I definitely think it's, it's better to start um, building that relationship with creativity earlier on and like allowing a safe space to be able to express and whatnot but it's definitely not impossible to do it in an adult in like an adult age range um like i know um probably a lot of students now probably feel like they were stifled in school and they weren't like allowed to be very creative like we just discussed but i i think now um if we could like put ourselves in more situations that allow us to be creative, we can kind of get back in touch with it. And you can also, you can't like just teach yourself to be creative, but you can train yourself to be less rigid in your thought process. So you can allow yourself to kind of like step outside of a box and like try like entertaining ideas that normally wouldn't make a lot of sense or maybe like just doesn't seem practical to you. Um, but as an adult, that's definitely something that you can do to kind of like uh, limit your logical thinking and tap over into your creative side. Yeah, I definitely think that's important for adults to understand so that they don't feel like, well, I'm already this age. I've already done all of these things. There's no way I can really change that part of myself because I think you definitely can um, in certain aspects. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Mm -hmm. um, so now, if you don't mind, I'm gonna ask you some questions about poetry. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> uh, so do you think poetry is more inherently creative than other forms of writing and literature? I personally, when I first thought about kind of creativity and poetry, I was like, oh yeah, it's definitely more creative because, you know, free verse exists. So you can just basically 
right in kind of any uh, pattern, any rhythm, any like form. But then I was thinking more about it, and I don't think that it's inherently more creative than other forms of writing, especially like comparing it to novels. Um, because even though poetry can is often poetry is often shorter, so and um, you have to pay more attention to the specific word stress and specific words you're using in general. I found that it's a lot harder to be creative when it's um when it's short form because you can't just put down all of your thoughts into something it's not going to be as coherent you have to really think about every single word and how it relates to the word and the the theme that you're trying to get across and the message and sometimes when you're writing something like a novel you have more time to develop that so you're able to be more creative in that you kind of have this longer span that you can kind of go from different ideas different ideas and the development but poetry while it's not more rigid it's a lot more it's it's very everything is just very specific and and a lot of people don't see that when they first read poetry but it's it's a lot of it is very calculated and you have to look at it very um closely to see that yeah, I, that totally makes sense. I um I remember having to like do poetry assignments in school and everything, and it, it's always so much thought that goes into it. Mm-hmm. Do you think? Because poetry can be like written poetry, or it can be like uh, spoken word. Do you think one is more inherently creative than the other? Hmm. I think. I mean, spoken word is kind of like its whole, it's like a whole other like art form, honestly, that, that has its own ways of being creative because it's not only creative in the words just, but you have to think about like the delivery, your expression, you're kind of acting in a way. It's not the same thing as reading a monologue, but it's, it's different. So, um, while I don't think spoken word is more creative, it, it has like, it ha- it's different things that you have to think about because it's more you have to pay more attention to the rhythm of your speech because you're actually presenting it it's not being just read by any person because when you read a poem you can read it differently in a different that might not have the word stress might not have been intended by the poet but with spoken forms of poetry it's kind of like this whole other because it also has like it's like a whole other different kind of culture that's associated with it too like going to going to d- different events different clubs of spoken word um and um like poetry out loud competitions stuff like that it's kind of its own own thing that ha- that presents other challenges and other methods of being creative yeah that totally makes sense um I, I've always loved uh, poetry, both written and spoken, and uh, yeah, there it's it does seem like not vastly different, but mm-hmm. it's kind of like its own separate thing. Yeah. So, do you think poetry offers more creative freedom than, say, like an academic paper or like mm-hmm. um, like argumentative and philosophical papers? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this kind of relates to the is it is poetry more creative than other forms of writing and literature? And the thing with 
poetry and kind of people kind of see it, I think, as this very, very uh, different thing than an academic paper. But I think they can be similar in a lot of ways and they can have the same types of create creativity within it. So, I mean, a lot of time with argumentative papers and philosophical papers, it, there's a lot of research to be done specifically with argumentative. But you have to be creative in the way that you attack each subject attack if you're gonna present an argument how you're gonna present your counter argument you have to be creative and especially with uh philosophical papers i think you have to be even more creative especially if you're reading um older texts like plato or something you have to you have to be creative in the examples that you bring as um arguments but the same thing kind of goes with poetry is you have to be creative in um your approach to eat to the topic that you're dealing with everybody has read um a love poem but the ones that are the most famous are the ones that are written in such a way that 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 is creative like shakespeare emily dickinson they're famous for a reason because of their way to use words in order to um in order to um display their um the themes, the themes of love or loss, grief, whatever it is, um, there's not, it's not as much dealing with creative freedom, but more of, um, how you're going about your sources and how you're delivering them, I guess, with, especially since academic papers, um, are kind of seen as, this high level, <laughs> this high kind of high society, you know, like PhD papers and stuff like that. Um, but I think poetry can have the same um, amount of, like, um, research kind of put into it. Yeah, totally, totally agree. Because I feel like, um, like in poetry, when you want to develop like your metaphors or, or things like that, you you want to make sure they're good and have good basis. So it's definitely good to do research and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, an- another thing that I was just curious about, I know from my other presentation, I talked about how um, creative writing was seen as one of the um, artistry forms that looks like most linked to like psychosis um how do you think that fits with like poetry hmm interesting question is <laughs> yeah i do remember that um i think it might because hmm. i'm thinking of psychosis i am not an expert in mental illnesses or anything like that but maybe the link between that is that when you go into psychosis, I imagine that, you know, you're kind of in an altered state of reality. You're not sure what is real and what is not. And through creative writing, you can kind of, like, it kind of, like, blurs the lines between reality and not reality, especially especially if you get into some weird poems, like some po- like or, like, even, like, short stories, like, by Ray Bradbury, he, he writes some weird, <laughs> weird, like, uh, like, crosses between like what is going on what is at and then you have to figure that out as a as a reader and I think I guess with psychosis are are you are you asking more specifically about um people using creative writing like while they're going through psychosis or like after or like 
for people that do experience it? Uh, either way is uh, however way you want to answer it. Um, I just like, I remember a, a sentence in my research being that um, it, like a correlational study of uh, writers were more likely to just like have some form of mental illness. Mm-hmm. And when I think of writers with mental illness, like the first person I think of is like Edgar Allan Poe. Mm-hmm. And I feel like people who write poetry, I feel like there's more um, representation of poets who have struggled with mental illness. Yeah. that ki- Yeah, because that kind of relates to the whole, like, um, a lot of creative people that are highly creative also struggle with mental illnesses. And um, I think that's really interesting because then it is like, well, is it a good... Well, like, we have these amazing people, like... Robert Schumann, Edgar Allan Poe, who had um, all these mental illnesses, but then were able to make this amazing art. So maybe it's the fact that when you have a mental illness, your view on the world is is different, and just your brain is is different than the than a brain that doesn't have a mental illness. So you kind of maybe you're able to think of things in a different way because of your experience. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. And I wonder if it, like, does have any, like, genetic factors backing it. Because mm-hmm. I know, like, with mental illness and um, just, like, a bunch of different, like, psychological disorders and stuff, there can be genetic backgrounds to it. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if that crosses anywhere with genetic links to creativity and mm-hmm. genetic links to, like, psychological factors. So. Yeah. I'm sure there would have to be a lot of, like, long-term studies on that kind of stuff before you can oh, yeah, like, sure. get any, like, actual concrete. Because it's so, same with mental, it's so hard to, like, uh, study it when it's things that aren't, like, tangible, I guess. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a common struggle that uh, yeah. mental illness or, like, any psychological disorders and, uh, creativity both shares so it's kind of hard to measure them yeah because like you said it's not really tangible mm-hmm. all right well i think that is all for us thank you guys for listening in thank you Georgia, for talking with me today yes. thank you very much this was a great discussion i wholeheartedly agree <laughs> thank you all for listening and have a great rest of your day